Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're here with us. And, and seriously, I, I know I say that every weekend, but I realize that you could be a lot of other places right now. You could be like at the beach. You could be at Godlike Fest. You could be at movies. You could be like still at the Church of the Holy Comforter, uh, which is your bed. Um, I mean, you could be a lot of different places, and yet you chose to be here. And so thank you for making uh, Sunday morning at Coastal a priority in your life. And uh, I, I'm pretty excited about this week of this series called Anything But Ordinary. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how do we live this life this year that's going to be anything but ordinary. How do we make sure that we just don't go through and live another year and it's just boring and it's mundane and it's normal? Because I believe that there's so much more to our lives than that. And we've been talking about in this series that it's all about seizing these opportunities that are being put before us this year. In our lives, we're going to have some amazing opportunities that are going to transform our lives because none of us set out to just have a normal life. I don't think anybody just wants to exist here on earth, suck up some oxygen, and then die. Like, nobody's like, that's my dream life. No, we want so much more than that. We don't want to just have a marriage that we have to endure. We don't want to just have enough money in our bank account to hopefully pay our bills. We don't want to just find somebody. We want to find that perfect person to spend the rest of our lives with. And so, if we're going to actually experience that type of life, we're going to have to look and live a little bit differently. And we've been talking about making the most of our opportunity. And we've been looking at this quote by a guy um, that said this. He said, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. The opportunity, the moments in life that you have, they're there for a certain amount of time. And they have got to be taken advantage of within that time. Otherwise, what we fail to realize a lot of times is that, man, opportunities in life have an expiration date. And so we don't want another year to go by where those opportunities expire on us, but this is the year that we're going to step out into some bold faith in those faith-filled moments that we're going to trust God and see God do some amazing things in our lives. And, and I was thinking about this today and, and what keeps you and I from stepping out in those faith-filled moments. Like, what is, what is the barrier? What are the biggest barriers to us becoming the person that we've always dreamed of? What are the biggest barriers of us being and living out the dream that God has for our lives? And, and I think for a lot of us, it has to do with fear. Because fear creates limits in our lives. I mean, fear is constantly building limits around our lives. And a lot of us don't even realize that fear does this to us. We don't even recognize that it's establishing these boundaries. And in essence, it's corralling our opportunities that we're presented with because of the fears that we have in our lives. It's almost like, think about it like this. If, if you're afraid of heights, if you have a fear of heights because you have that fear, what it will do is it will cause you to stay low all of your life. If you have a fear of failure, if you're afraid of stepping out and trying something and possibly failing at it, what it'll keep you from doing is ever doing anything. If you have a fear of speaking, it's going to keep you silent for the rest of your life. And so what happens is, is, is we start to see and we start to recognize fears in our lives, and these fears have a tendency to box us in to minimize the capacity that God wants us to have in our life. And a lot of us have allowed these fears and these different things to keep us from becoming the person that God wants us to become. And so what happens to us is because we have these fears, and in those moments where opportunities are around us, because that fear is there, all of a sudden we become paralyzed in that moment. 
when we can't move, where we can't respond, where we can't do anything, and what ends up happening is that opportunity expires on us. And, and I've experienced some paralyzing fear in my life. Uh, a, a couple of months ago, right here in this auditorium, actually, we've done a lot of crazy, stupid things. I mean, one time, we had a guy hanging from a rope, like, right there trying to fix a projector. He was hanging by a, a shoestring. Like, that was pretty fearful. Like, but I wasn't scared because I wasn't actually doing that. Um, and, and so, like, he was scared. Um, but one time, you see these these lights right here, this is like a truss system that's motorized, and, and it goes up and down, and, and we mess with it every week, and our youth pastor, his name is Mike, and, and like this dude is like, he can climb anything, like he is afraid of nothing, like if we're like, Mike, scale this wall over here with your bare hands, like some like, somehow he has like extra sticky grip, like he'll just crawl up that wall, we'll be like, dude, how'd you get up there, and he'll be like, I don't know, and so like, like Mike can do anything, and because Mike can do anything, it like encourages me to think I can do anything. Anybody, anybody have, like, like encouragement by association ever? And so, like, I see Mike doing all these crazy things, and we, we needed to, to move some stuff around. And so Mike's like, lower that trust thing. I'll jump on it, and I'll go up there, and I'll fix whatever it is. And I'm like, hey, that's a good idea. You know what? I'll jump up there with you and help you. And, um, and you know, I'm... I'm a pretty athletic guy in my mind. Uh, I, I think, like I, like, I have good balance. I have cat-like reflexes. And, and so, so we jump on there, and we start going up, and we get to about 10 feet, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, like, at 10 feet, like, I can jump off the roof of my house, and I survive. Like, I don't really hurt myself too bad, and I'm thinking, like, if I fall from here, it's not bad. And so I'm just holding on to this, this string that's, that's rising us up. Well, we start going up higher. We get to about 20 feet, and all of a sudden, I'm getting a little bit closer to this string. You know, and it's like... It's like, it's not just holding it, it's kind of like hugging it a little bit, um, you know, kind of like side hug, like with girls, like you give a side hug so it's not too, like, awkward, and then uh, as we get going high, we get up to about 35 feet, and I look down, and I recognize that, like, if I have one false move in my lack of balance because of my disproportionate, uh, lots of upper body, extra weight, like, it, I, like I'm going to go tumbling down to my death, and so, like, I am bear hugging this piece of wire, and and Mike is like running across this thing, like, but I am completely seized by fear in that moment, like, where I'm just like sucking my thumb, crying for my mom, okay, like, it was like, I, just straight up, like, I'm like, somebody's got to bring this thing down, like, I could not move in that moment, and a lot of us, we don't have fears necessarily like that, like that, let me just say this, like, that, that's healthy fear, okay, like, when, that's like, that, that's, that's fear telling you stop doing stupid crap, okay, um, I'm talking about the kind of fear that an opportunity presents itself, and there's one direction or there's another direction, and because you don't know, you do nothing because you're paralyzed in that moment. Like, you're, you're looking at both, and you're going, what if, what if, what if, and then you just stop, and you're just, like, stuck. Or maybe you're a, a high schooler, or maybe you're a, a college-age person, and you're trying to find that right one, and there's two options there, and you're like, which one do I go out on a date with? And because you can't figure that out, you just go out on a date with neither one of them. Or you go out on a date with both of them. I don't know. This is <laughs> South Florida, and so... Uh, <laughs> hopefully not at coastals hopefully not at coastal anyways but we get paralyzed by fear and and we're not the first people to face this there's a guy in the bible named moses and he was faced with some of the same things that you and i are faced with and he was in a moment where he was pretty paralyzed by fear and and if you have your bible if you want to turn to exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4 that's where we're going to be hanging out today if you don't have a bible you can look in your worship guide if you don't have a worship guide you can take a look at the screen if you don't have either one of those you can take out your smartphone and look at um in in um 
U version, and it's on there as well. But in Exodus chapter 3, we're going to see this conversation that, that God is having with Moses. And this is really God's first real tangible encounter with Moses. And so Moses is in a desert. He's a shepherd and a bush catches on fire. And that's a pretty interesting thing. Like, and so you got to go explore that. And that's probably normal in the desert for a bush to catch on fire. But when a bush starts talking to you, that's when you know you're in trouble. And so this bush is talking to Moses and that the thing that's talking is God. And this is what God is saying. And he says, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Here's the promise that God gives Moses. He says, listen, like, listen, I'm going to call you to do something, but here's the deal. I'm going to be with you. And it goes on and it says, And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Now, God right here makes a pretty powerful promise. He says, listen, Moses, I've got a purpose, and I've got a plan for your life. And it isn't just contingent just to Moses. He's saying to each and every one of us, listen, I've got a purpose, and I've got a plan for your life. And I'm going to call you to do something significant with your life, but here's the deal. You're not going to go and do that on your own because I'm going to be with you. Like in any time God shows up and gives you some purpose for your life and says, hey, I want you to go do this and says, hey, I'm going to be with you because he says he'll never leave us nor will he forsake us, which means he's with us. That should be a moment where we're really encouraged. Like, like we should be ready to go storm the gates of hell with a water gun right there because we, God's got our back in that moment and, and we should be like ready to go. But that isn't Moses's deal. Like Moses says, like, that's awesome, God, but Moses is still completely gripped by fear here. And I think most of us are gripped by fear in a lot of the same ways that Moses is, is <laughs> that Moses is, not Moses is, is um, right here. And there's a couple ways that we're gripped by fear. Some of us were, were gripped by this fear of failure. In chapter four, verse one, it says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? In other words, what he's saying is he's saying is he's saying he's saying what if something happens? What if something doesn't work out in the way that I think it's going to work out? And this is how fear works in our lives because it starts to work on the external circumstances. And what starts to happen is we start to say, what if? What if this doesn't happen how I think it's going to happen? What if this goes the wrong way? What if they don't come through like they said they would? And what if? And what if? And what if? And what we seem to start to realize is that when we start saying like what if a whole bunch, we've got to recognize that fear is starting to paralyze our lives because we're starting to look at what could be rather than what God said. And so here's Moses, and Moses has every right to be gripped by fear in this moment because of what God is asking him to do. Because if you don't know Moses' backstory, is Moses once lived in Egypt. And when he was in Egypt, he decided to have a, a really bad day where he killed somebody. And after he killed somebody, he ran away to get away so he wouldn't be punished for making his mistake. And so he ended up in a foreign land where now he's a shepherd, where God is now speaking to him. And now he's hearing God say, like, listen, go back to that land. And basically what God is saying, go back to the place where you didn't confront the problem that you had before and start to confront it and do something differently. And not only go back to that land, but there's this people called the Israelites 
minutes, and I want you to go there and tell them that God told you that you're going to save their lives. And they're going to ask you how, and you say, through a burning bush. And they're going to all think you've been smoking some bush, okay? Like, Moses has every right to be paralyzed right here. I mean, you can see why this dude would be afraid in that moment. And some of us, we've had those exact same feelings We've had those exact same emotions because God has asked us to do something and that's the thing that we've ran from in our past and rather than confront it back in the day, it's coming back and it's rearing its head at us and we're saying like, oh no, man, God, you don't understand. Like, you don't know. And I love how God responds to Moses right here and God's, he's just funny, I don't know. And he said, then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran away from it. I love that the Bible just throws in stuff that doesn't really matter. Like, did it really need to throw in there that Moses ran away from the snake? I mean, honestly, like, because we all know that if you had a stick in your hand and you threw it on the ground and it became a snake, you're going to run away from it, right? Like, that, like that's natural reaction. All of us are going to, like, honestly, how many of y'all are not going to run away from a snake if you throw down a stick and it turns into a snake? Like, there's three of you, and you guys are lying. And, and like, I promise. I promise you are. I, like, I know. Like, a couple of years ago, I was mowing our grass at my, my family's house, and we had, like, 10 to 15 acres, and we had this big lawnmower. And so I'd go out, and I'd mow the grass, and we had this weimer on her, and uh, he would just follow me around everywhere. And, and at the end of mowing the grass, I was coming back up our driveway, and we had this shop that some guys were working at. And as I was walking up, there was this enormous, enormous snake that was out in our driveway. I mean, it was like probably like this big. And, and, like, and like it came out, and it started like going after our Wamaraner. And, and I was like, oh, no, you didn't. And it was like, oh, yes, I am. And so like it's starting to attack the dog. And so like this, this, this manliness just all of a sudden starts to come out of me. And like I just rage up with fear and, and a little bit of anger and, and throw in some sweat and adrenaline in there. And I grab this stick and I start beating the snot out of this snake. Like I'm beating it and beating it and beating it and I'm breaking it up to pieces and blood's flowing on me. And because those pieces are still kind of wiggling around, if you've ever killed a snake, they still like move. Like I just keep beating it over and over again. I'm like, you're going to die, snake. And like it must have been awesome to see because like I just mowed the grass and I was like glistening like shirt off and my muscles were all like flexed out like I was like yeah you know and I was just rolling there and I was like I, I, I finally I quit and I like looked up and I felt like so proud and this dude out of the shop was sitting there looking at me going <laughs> you know like I, I don't know why I told that but it like because snakes are bad anyways verse 4 then the Lord said to him reach out your hand and take it by the tail Again, like he's already ran away from the snake. Like I don't care if a 60-foot Jesus shows up and tells me to grab it. I ain't touching it. Anyways, and so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God says to Moses, like, what's in your hand? Like, what do you currently have 
in your possession. And Moses is like, man, I, I got a staff, man. I'm a, I'm a shepherd. And, and this is kind of just what we do as shepherds. We, we have staffs. I mean, it's, it's part of how we're identified in our community. It's, it's, it's just who we are. It, it, it's nothing, it's not really a big deal. I mean, it's pretty common for a shepherd to have a staff. I mean, it's not anything significant. And, and Moses sees his, his profession and what he does is something that's, that's pretty common and pretty ordinary. And God looks at it and sees something completely different. God looks at it and says, man, that just isn't a staff. That is, that's your identity right there because people see that and they know exactly who you are and what you do. Not only is it your identity, but it's also your income. It's how you earn a living. It's where you find your worth at in life. Like that isn't just a staff. That's your influence. That's where you push sheep and you gauge and you pull sheep with and, and it's your platform. It's how you lead these groups of sheep. And so Moses, that isn't just something insignificant. That is who you are. It's where you find your identity. It's where you find your worth. It's where you find all of those things. And Moses, the thing that I want from you, and I want you to see, and I want you to understand, is I want you to lay down your worth. I want you to lay down your identity. I want you to lay down your influence. I want you to lay down your income at my feet. And if you'll lay that down at my feet, you'll see me do something so big and so extraordinary that you would never believe it. You won't even understand it because what you see is common and ordinary and what I see is totally different because what's in your hand right now is everything you need to take you where you're going to go in your future. Everything that's in Moses' hand is the exact thing that's going to take him to his future. And let me just tell you something. What's in your hand right now is going to take you to your future. Everything that you need in your life is in your possession right now. And God is just saying, what's in your hand? Will you lay it down at his feet? Now, I'm not suggesting that he wants to necessarily like part the, the waters with your thing, whatever that is, what's in your hand. But he does that in Moses' case. He takes a staff and he, he parts waters with it. He parts the Red Sea with it. That same staff, he goes and he uses that to, to uh, bring the plagues across Egypt. That same staff, he goes and he strikes the rock with and water flows. Like Moses ended up doing some pretty significant things because he's willing to lay down what was in his hand at God's feet. And so my question to you is, is what's in your hand? And that doesn't mean that like after service, you're going to walk out onto 441 and take out your cell phone and park traffic. Like that's not what I'm saying. Or you're not going to roll in to the office on Monday and slam your laptop down and water is going to flow. But God is saying like, what do you have right now that's in your hand? Like, where do you find your identity right now? Like, what is in your hand as far as your income? How much, how much money do you got right now? Like, what's in your hand as far as your influence that maybe you don't think you have much of, but maybe you do have some more than you think? Like, what's in your hand right now? Like, what is that thing that is so dear and near to you that you think is ordinary and common that God wants to do something extraordinary with? I think about Shayla and I, and I think about our finances, and, and we've been people that have always just trusted God with our finances. We really believe it's a biblical mandate to give 10% of our income back to God. That's what we return to him, and then we give above and beyond that. And, and we've given, and, and, and it's not always been a significant amount of money. It's, most people would say, like, that's a pretty insignificant amount of money. It's pretty ordinary. When I look at it, and I go, like, that's not that extreme. Like, that's not really going to make that big of a difference. But then I realized that that money that I just gave went to go help uh, a Pompano Beach campus start out. And today, seven people gave their hearts to Jesus uh, in the service right before this. 
And what I looked at is some insignificant giving that I'm just trusting God with. He goes and turns it around and transforms seven people's lives and grabs them from the grips of hell and brings them into the gates of grace. That is extraordinary. And so what's in your hand? What's your influence? Like, how does God want to use your influence today? I have some good friends. Their name is Danny and Amory Jones, and, and they were just a, an ordinary couple in a, in a church that we were pastors at. And, and one day they decided to start doing some foster care, and they had this kid named Owen. They decided, man, we really love this kid. We're going to adopt this kid. And they adopted Owen, and before long, they're like, we can, uh, we can foster another kid. And they brought another little girl, and her name was Lily. And they started taking care of Lily, and pretty soon they adopted Lily. And then they got another little girl, and they adopted that little girl. And before long, they were fostering all these kids and adopting all these kids and they said you know what maybe God wants us to do something bigger with what we have in our hand they started telling their friends and their family and before long they started a ministry called Bridge of Life and now hundreds of kids are being adopted and being taken out of foster care and put into homes where they are loved and they are valued because they didn't look at their circumstances and just say oh it's something that's ordinary it's common they said I'm going to lay these things down God at your feet and what can you do with it and they didn't allow themselves to look at what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't make it? They just said, God, man, I'm going to lay it at your feet. And whatever you do with it, I'm going to lay it down here. And man, I'm going to trust you with it, God. Continuing the story in verse 10, it says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And it's the second fear that we see here that Moses had that I think a lot of us struggle with this is this fear of inadequacy. And what happens is Moses goes from like what can go wrong to like maybe like I am the problem. And what happens for a lot of us is we start this transition of like, man, like what if to like, man, I am the issue in this situation. Maybe I don't have the gifts. Maybe I don't have the abilities. Maybe I don't have the talent to be able to pull off the thing that God is asking me to do in this situation. I mean, how many of you guys ever just looked at your life and feel like, I just have way too many weaknesses? Anybody else out there? I like, I look at my life all the time. I'm like, dang, I got a lot of those. Like, how can God look at my life and want to do something with somebody that is as jacked up as I am? Because let's be honest, when we can put on a good front for other people, but we know how jacked up we are. We know how messed up. Like, we, we can smile, we can say all the right Christian knees crap here and act like we got it all together and inside our life is a pure mess. And I love how God starts to confront this in Moses' life and it says in verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God's like, Moses, what's up? Who makes people great? Like, who makes people significant? Who makes people be able to do the things they want to do? And who makes it so that they can't do those things? Like, who does that? Whose strength really matters here? Let me just tell you, Moses, whose strength matters? My strength matters. See, Moses, it's not about how good you are or how talented you are or what you want to do or your gifts or your abilities because it's not really about you. Moses, what it's about is it's about me. 
And what a lot of us think is that, is we think that it's all about what we can do and what we can accomplish and what gifts we have. And it's not about that because God is like, man, I'm the one who wants to shape something in you. I'm the one that wants to create something in you. I'm the one who wants to build some things in you. It's about me. And so what we see at the very heart and identity of God is action. And what he's saying and what he's promising to Moses is he's saying, man, I'm going to act on your behalf if you'll trust me. I will act on your behalf. Now, one of my weaknesses is, is that, and like I shared, is that there are times that I have a lack of faith. And the reason I have a lack of faith isn't because I don't trust God, it's because I start looking introspectively at myself, and I look at how worthless I am in some situations, I look at how weak I am in some situations, I look at my abilities in situations, and I automatically disqualify myself from things that God has qualified me for based on what I can see. And so many of us think that our futures are based on what we can see in ourselves, not what God sees in us. And what God is saying is, is he's saying, like, listen, I'm not real impressed by human strength, and I'm not real impressed by human weakness. I'm not real impressed by your gifts and your abilities, because I'm a God whose power shines brightest where it's needed most. See, God's power shines the brightest where it's needed the most. So maybe today it isn't about all those things that are within you. It's about God showing up in the biggest way possible on the smallest stage, which is your weakness, so that he can be glorified the most. Because that is what God is after in all of us. He's after not us qualifying ourselves, but him qualifying us. And that means that he has to come in and become our strength rather than letting us live in our weaknesses. And I think about Moses and think about him when he's called to speak for God and God can't speak. And that's like a pretty great calling, but Moses is still overwhelmed by fear. And this is what he says in verse 13. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Like Moses just straight up goes, listen, I know I have this fear of failure and, and I know that like there's all these what ifs and I'm just not really sure and I just don't really have enough confidence here in the fact that you said you were going to do what you were going to do and, and I'm not really sure. I know I should trust you in this. Like I know I should lay that down at your feet, but I'm not really ready to do that because partly because of all the inadequacies I see in myself and the, the fact that like I don't have the strength and I don't have the talent and I don't have those things. And, and while I, I should trust you in that and I should believe you that you're going to pull those things off and I don't need to pull those things off. Like, listen, you just need to send somebody else. And basically he's copping out of the situation. And God says to him, the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Now, the first time I read this, I thought to myself, like, Moses just totally roped a dope God and got to cop out of this situation. Like, he just whined and dined his way enough to where God was like, fine, Moses, you suck. <laughs> like, that was my perception. And, 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 but I don't, I don't really think that case, that's really the case here. Because I think if you look a little bit deeper, what you'll see here is that community is the way that God confronts and redeems our desire to give up. The community is the way that God confronts 
this desire that we have to give up because every single one of us, when we get in difficult situations, when we get in places where we are feeling overwhelmed and paralyzed, our first and natural inclination is to throw in the towel. It's just easier to give up than it is to press on. It's easier just to say, like, man, I've done the best that I can, but my best isn't good enough, and we just give up in those moments. And this is what God knows about each and every one of us, is that none of us was meant to do life alone. Like, we just weren't. We weren't meant to try to make everything work on our power, powers and our abilities. In fact, God knows that the worst place we can find ourselves is, is in a place of isolation, a place where we're trying to do it on our own. This is why we talk about here at Coastal all the time. It's all about relationship. It's all about getting connected in connect groups. In fact, we'll say it, and I'll say it over and over and over again, man. It's not about butts and chairs and rows like this. It's about people circling up in homes throughout the week. Like, I would rather you go to a connect group than come to church. Because I know that true life change isn't going to happen right here. Like, you might hear a good message periodically from a really good-looking bald dude, but... Yeah, bald people unite. Hallelujah. And, uh, but the reality is, is that your true life change is going to come when you're in community with somebody else. When somebody knows your name and they know your life and they know that you're going through things and instead of letting you give up, they say, hey, you know what? God's got something more for you. God's got something better for you. And man, like, you're not going to do this alone because I got your back. And that's essentially what what God is saying here to Moses is he's saying, listen, I know it's so easy for you to throw in the towel. I know it's so easy for you to give up on this life that is anything but ordinary. But what about your brother Aaron? What about Aaron? What about the fact that, man, I've brought community into your life to confront and redeem your life? And so many times we don't think about that because what we think is we think that God is up there in heaven, like, giving us the rah-rah speech. Like, come on, man up. Come on, step up to the plate. You can do this. Like, and he's like Tony Robbins up there, you know, pumping up the music and trying to get us all motivated to do something. Like, try harder, trust more, do this, do that, God, blah, 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 blah. And Moses isn't doing that at all. And God's not doing that at all. God's saying, would community be enough to overcome your fears, and your failures, and your inadequacies? Because I really believe that, man, if you had some relationships that you were doing life with, it would transform your life. Now, here's the thing. is I don't really have a clue what you're going through today. I really don't. I, 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 I talked to a guy before first service, and I talked to a person at the, the other campus, and Man, some of the things that you're dealing with in life, I mean, I know some of you guys are having a crisis of your faith right now. And you're saying, man, am I, am I going to trust God or am I going to give up on this thing? Some of you guys are dealing with some relationship issues. There's been some separation or there's been some brokenness and, and you're trying to discover what does that look like and you're, you got fears of trusting again, but yet at the same point you know you need to and, and there's all these things that are going on. And then some of you guys just have some insurmountable obstacles that are just so beyond what any of us can even fathom because we're looking at our situation we're going, this is big, and then we hear somebody else's situation we're like, man, our situation doesn't really matter compared to theirs because it's enormous. 
This is what I know about that situation is that God never intended for you to walk that path by yourself. But yet so many of us try to do it. We, we have these areas of our lives that are, are maybe in the Christian realm or in the world realm are thought of as, as like they're not as good, you know, and so we got to keep those things hidden. Maybe it's a, an addiction problem that you have. Maybe it's a pornography addiction or maybe it's a... a pill addiction or maybe it's a alcohol addiction that like you don't want anybody else to know about maybe it's a it's some suicidal thoughts that you're going through maybe you're facing some depression in your life right now and you got all these things and you're going through it and you're trying to manage all of this stuff on your own and yet you find that you keep failing over and over and over and over and over again and you're like why can't i be successful is because you were not designed to overcome those things by yourself Like, God didn't design you to do that way. And so God is saying to Moses, just like he's saying to you, how about the power of community? How about the power of community to confront and redeem those fears and those situations in your life? And what you'll see, if you continue to read throughout Moses' life, is that Moses goes on this incredible journey of faith. Not by himself, but in relationship with other people. And it's because of those relationships that he ended up fulfilling so much of what God had for his life. And, and if you were to look in Exodus chapter 17, there's a, there's a great story that I, I, I love. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give you the new international TJ version of it because we don't have time to read it. And basically, the guy that we talked about the first week, his name is Joshua. He is fighting the Amalekites. And Moses is up on the hill. And as long as his hands are raised in worship to God, like Joshua is whooping the Amalekites' butts. But before long, like when you're doing life by yourself, eventually you get tired, you get worn out, and his hands start to drop. And as they start to drop, the Israelites start losing the battle. And so two guys go up with Moses. One of them name is Hur, and the other guy's name is Aaron, the brother of Moses. And they say, you know what, Moses? Like, you can't do this on your own. And so what they do is they get up underneath of his arms and they prop his arms up so that they can continue and eventually win the battle. And what God is showing all of us there is is that so many times we think we can do life on our own, but we aren't designed to do it by ourselves. We need others to do what we can't do on our own. And today, for some of us, What we need to do is we need to ask for help. And that goes so against our culture today. Like, we're supposed to be self-sufficient. We're supposed to be self-reliant. We're not supposed to need other people. Like, that's what we're told all the time. And you know what? We're told a bunch of crap. Like, I know I'm going through one of the most difficult situations and seasons of my life ever over the last three months. And, I, man, I've been battling. I've been struggling. There's been so many days that I've woken up and I've just said, man, I'm going to throw in the towel today. Like, I'm, like, it's over. I'm giving up. And it's on those days that a friend will call me up and he'll be like, TJ, what's going on? Like, Shayla will have texted him and be like, TJ, suicidal today. And, uh, and. He'll be like, what's up? And I'll be like, man, I just, I can't do it anymore. And he'll be like, you're right, you can't, but we can. I got you. I got you. I'm right here all the way with you. And it's in those moments that, you know what, I can't, but we can. And today, some of you guys are doing some things on your own, and you can't. 
but we can. Will you, will you look past your, your own failures? Will you look past your own inadequacies? Will you look past the other failures that we're not even talking about here that I know so many of us are dealing with? And will you say, God, maybe today is the day that I need to ask for help. One, from you above, like, God, I just need your help. But two, maybe I need to find somebody else. That's why we offer connect groups to, to do life with and say, you know what? Will you walk with me through this situation? Let's pray. God, I just come before you. And I know that so many of us are facing things that seem enormous and insurmountable and it's easy to go say, hey, go ask for help. It's another thing to actually do that. But God, this is what I know is that today, the opportunity of a lifetime is right before people. It's, will they seize it? Because you're here and your presence is here, and I know that you want to do a work in people's hearts and lives. And maybe you're out there today and, today is maybe you've been checking out God or maybe this is your first time in church and and you have never asked God for help. You never even realized that there was a God that cared so much about you that that he would send his son to die on a cross so that you could have a life and you could have it more abundantly and that he sent his son to die and rise again so that he could be your helper. So that he could come and transform your life from the inside out and, and that's a great place for you to start. And maybe you need that today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you here today. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up real quick, I'd love to pray with you. Anybody out there? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Man, that's, that's all that matters to me. One, one person that says, man, I'm putting my trust in Christ is a significant thing. If you'd pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, God, I put my trust in you. God, I ask you for help. And I realize that all the screw-ups and all the mess-ups in my life, that, that thing is called sin. And that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I accept your love and your grace here today. Fill my life. God, I, I pray for two other groups here as well. Is that there's, there's a group that's out there that, God, you've been asking them what's in their hand for a long time, and they've just been holding on to it. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would let go of that thing, that they would lay that thing at their feet, at your feet, God, and that they would trust you fully with their gifts, their talent, their money, their identity, their influence. And that you would take what is in their hand today and propel them into the future of what they have for them. Because everything that they have right now is everything that you've given them for not just today, but for tomorrow. God, I pray that, that our prayer would be this song that we're about to sing. That, that we would have the faith enough to trust what you say, even when it sounds ludicrous, even when it sounds crazy. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.